You're listening to Sinister Sips. I'm your host, Shyla. Grab a drink if you can, sit back, and enjoy as we dive into these sinister stories. For today's episode, I decided to go with a drink that has been one of my favorites lately. It's easy, um, delicious. I'll post, I mean, the recipe, but there's really not much to it, um, to the Instagram. Basically, it tastes a little bit like a root beer float to me, but, um, an alcoholic beverage. It is whipped vodka mixed with zero sugar A&W root beer. I love it. It is my go-to right now, so check it out if you're interested in that. With that being said, let's get started. Episode 1 It's January 30th, 2014. The high for the day is 28 degrees Fahrenheit, the warmest it's been in weeks. The police get a call from a woman calling to report several trash bags being dumped on Allington Road. This is between Fredmore Highway and Trumbull Road, about 50 miles northeast of Detroit, Michigan. Detective Donnellan said, quote, I'm assuming that they assumed it was garbage and took a look inside the bags and saw what they thought to be human remains and called us. Around this same time, it is said that a motorist in China Township reported seeing what they believed to be a real human head roll out of a trash bag that someone was currently dumping on a rural road. The investigation started around 4 p.m. that cold Thursday afternoon. It was reported by police that the discovery led to several dismembered body parts scattered along a lonely, snow-filled road. The police would come to discover a foot partially inside one bag, others containing ribs, a thigh, a buttocks, items of clothing, charred documents, a skill saw or jigsaw, and in one of them, a head. Detective Riker said in court, separated by a hundred yards or more, investigators would discover the remaining pieces. They also reported that the body parts were not frozen. So, they couldn't have been out there very long. Autopsy reports show that the body had been cut into 14 parts by some type of saw. The pieces of the body found belonged to a male in approximately his late 20s, early 30s. Cause of death was determined to be asphyxiation from strangulation 
in combination with a lethal dose of Xanax. They believe that he had been killed around January 25th. The body was later identified as being that of 32-year-old Ramsey Scrivo, who had been reported as missing by his mother, Donna Scrivo, a former nurse, on January 26th. He had disappeared on the coldest night of the year. It was even reported to be the coldest winter in Michigan in a hundred years. Donna reported that her son had walked out around 6.30 p.m. the night before. Police detectives said that she sounded very concerned for his safety. She described him as wearing a Carhartt coat, blue flannel PJs, work boots, and that was it. When the police asked about Ramsey's phone, Donna reported that she believed he had had it with him. So, police tried to ping its location. When the location pulled up to be near a lake, they started to worry he may have fallen in the lake or something of that nature. So that's where they started searching. Until a neighbor claimed to have found his cell phone in their driveway. The neighbor, who had adopted Ramsey Scrivo's small dog before his death, said that the mother and son, then living together in Ramsey Scrivo's condo, were dealing with two recent traumatic incidents. Donna Scrivo's husband of 35 years, Ramsey Scrivo's father, had died the previous May due to a hepatitis C illness. Donna had met her husband when she was working for her father at a prison in Texas right after high school. Daniel, Donna's husband, Ramsey's father, had been serving a sentence for armed robbery. Her family was shocked to find out that she had developed a relationship with an inmate, but even more to find out that she was moving to Michigan with him when he was released. However, together they made a life there in a good neighborhood, and all was well. They had two sons together, one in 1978 named Jason, and the other in 1981 named Ramsey. Donna was a stay-at-home mom until her sons were old enough to be in school, and that's when she decided to go to nursing school. Daniel had his own painting business, which kept him pretty busy. Their home was described as a place for the kids to come and hang out after school and on the weekends, to have the baked goods that were made by Donna. During this time, Donna's career flourished. She had once been a high-level registered nurse working in an intensive care, transplant, and cardiac units at the St. John Medical Center in Detroit. But in 2003, Donna suffered a heart attack, and while in surgery, she was deprived of oxygen for a period of time due to an equipment failure. After that, she wasn't quite the same, so she had to quit the St. John and work in home health. Donna's son, Ramsey, had gone to school for accounting after graduating high school, and had always been described as a bit of a loner, not a whole lot of friends. 
In 2009, Donna was diagnosed with cancer. Daniel, her husband, was very supportive and did everything that he could to make sure that Donna got the care she needed. They even went to Mexico for treatments. Not long after they had returned from Mexico, she went to her high school reunion in Texas. Just a few years later, in 2012, Daniel died. Donna and her sons were absolutely devastated. Fast forward back to current time of the case. During the investigation, detectives learned that Ramsey Scrivo was a man with serious emotional problems. He had been diagnosed as having a form of psychosis and paranoia, according to the USA Today. His emotional health deteriorated even further after the death of his father, leading him to want to kill himself. Immediately after Ramsey's father, Daniel Scrivo, had died, Donna Scrivo filed a petition in probate court to have her son hospitalized because of his mental illness. She then sought legal guardianship over her son because of his illness, which included a diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia that made him a danger to himself or others when he wasn't on medication. Police started to question people around town about Ramsey. Some reported knowing of his illness, and some even reported that his mother was a kind and caring person who was fully devoted to her two sons. But some reported that, as a nurse, she should have been able to care for him with the best care. She should have understood what life must have been like for him while dealing with such an illness. The police asked Donna on Wednesday if she would like to go to the media to ask for help finding her son. She decided to, but she was very protective of what they had to say, trying to leave out as much as she could about his mental health. Not long after the news reported finding body parts, Donna called the police asking if she could come and identify the remains as her missing son. Without knowing that the remains were her son, or without even being contacted from the police. At the time that Donna had called, police did not yet know who the body parts belonged to, so they found this suspicious that she would call on her own. On the next day, January 31st, police had a suspect in custody. The suspect the police had in custody was seen purchasing a jigsaw twice, returning both of them, one time due to a malfunction and the second time due to a missing battery. The person who had made the call at the beginning of the episode reporting the human head and someone dumping the bags said that the description of the person in custody matched who they saw dumping those garbage bags. The suspect had also been seen buying a carpet shampooer approximately 10 days prior to the incident. There was also surveillance video at a gas station and the clerk reported remembering a person coming in that same night 
and seeming very frantic. On the tape was the vehicle that had previously been described by the person who called in the head. The suspect, now in custody, was 60-year-old Donna Scrivo. Yes, Ramsey Scrivo's own mother. Police originally called Donna to see if she could come in to discuss her son's disappearance. They then revealed that the remains were his and that they knew she had done it. She asked them if they were even sure that the remains were her son's. Even though she was very adamant on the remains when she had heard about it on the news. So Donna denied everything, saying that she didn't even understand how she could be a suspect, that the police lacked any evidence against her showing that she would be the one to commit such a heinous crime. Yet, she was the suspect that had been reported as seeing buying the jigsaw and the shampooer, as well as being at the gas station. The sales clerk at Lowe's also remembered having met her. They recalled asking her what she needed the skill for in an attempt to help her buy the best type of saw for whatever work she was trying to accomplish. She replied, just a few projects around the house. Detectives told Donna about the video surveillance, and she denied that it was her, until they asked if she wanted to see it. That's when she agreed and admitted to having been at the gas station. On the same day, witnesses saw a white female in a sports utility vehicle dumping the trash bags with dismembered body parts. Donna Scrivo had called the Detroit Car Donation Program, saying that she wanted to get rid of an SUV as soon as possible. It was the second vehicle she donated to the Mother Waddles Car Donation Program within three days, according to the program manager. A few days earlier, she had donated a Ford Focus to the program. Rick Frazier, the manager of this program is said to have reported quote in my opinion the focus may have been the car that her son drove and therefore she wanted it to disappear because he was quote unquote missing she said she wanted it picked up right away her friends and family heard the news and could not wrap their heads around it Claiming she had always been the sweetest person, willing to help anyone that she could. Investigators allege that 32-year-old Ramsey Scrivo was believed to have been asphyxiated by his mother, Donna Scrivo, of the St. Clair Shores. It is believed that she then attempted to hide her deed by cutting up her son with a skill saw and dispersing the body parts in five black grocery bags along the roadside. On February 24th, Donna was charged with her son's murder. Following the arrest and news coverage, a neighbor came forward to report that she remembered seeing Donna carrying several garbage bags 
out of the condo shortly before she reported Ramsey missing. Crime lab technicians found traces of blood in the dwelling, as well as in Donna's SUV. There was also evidence in the house that someone had used bleach in an effort to scrub away the bloodstains. So to recap, Donna reported her son missing to police on January 27th. It's believed that she began disposing of the dismembered body January 30th and she was arrested on January 31st. While in custody, Donna threatened to hurt herself. Jail officials moved Donna to a mental health unit of the Macomb County Jail until she was competent to stand trial. On May 6, 2015, Donna went to trial for murder. People in the courtroom saw her and described her as being a grandmotherly type, wondering how she could be the one charged with such a crime when she didn't even look physically able to commit this type of crime, especially on a large younger man. The neighbor and acquaintance of Ramsey came forward in court to testify how she saw Donna carrying the trash bags to her SUV. She said that when this was happening, she was wondering why Donna was struggling to carry them instead of getting Ramsey to help her. Quote, The death of a child before a parent is sad, but it's a tragedy when the parent takes the life of his or her child. Assistant Prosecutor William Cataldo started his opening statement with that theme Wednesday for the murder trial of Don Escrivo. During his opening, Cataldo admitted he could not provide a motive, but it was not required for a conviction. Cataldo disclosed several pieces of new information, including a Coke bottle that had been found next to her son's head contained Donna's DNA. While she was housed in the Macomb County Jail following the arrest, Scrivo told a friend that a guy in black clothing was telling her things to do. While visiting her in-laws, January 29th, she had made a strange request to take a shower. Maybe there's a body in that tub, and that's why she can't take a shower, said Cataldo. He also told jurors that Ramsey Scrivo's blood was found in several locations in the condominium, including in the bathtub, the bathroom and bedroom walls, on the handrails, the porch, and in pools on the floor. However, Donna's lawyer, Haddad, noted that the only DNA evidence of his client connecting her to the crime is what was found on the Coke bottle. He also provided new details about Donna Scrivo, saying that she had never gotten into any trouble before. She was married for 35 years before her husband had died and was a doting and caring mother of two sons. He added, she has no history of violence or aggressive behavior at all. None. He also brought up her history as a registered nurse and all the work that she had done for the St. John Hospital and about her heart attack. 
Family and friends still couldn't believe that Donna could do such a thing, especially to her own child. Many believed that police had it wrong. At first. During trial, Donna testified on her own defense. She adamantly denied killing her son and told prosecutors that they had no DNA evidence to connect her. She claimed to have come home to an intruder that had just murdered her son. She said that this intruder ordered her to follow his instructions or he would kill her and more of her family. She told the court every detail they had, this intruder made her do, such as buying the skill saw, getting the vehicle, donating the vehicle to charity, everything. The cross-examiner hammered her on the fact that she never contacted police to get help. Donna just continued to say that she couldn't because she was worried about her and her family's safety. They explained that they could not find a single bit of evidence that an intruder ever even existed. On May 18th, 2015, a verdict is announced. Macomb County Circuit Court records show Donna Scrivo was charged with first-degree murder, removal of a dead body, and mutilation of a dead body. Their theory was that she had drugged him, strangled him, put him in the bathtub, and cut him up. It is believed that Donna became so overwhelmed with her son that she just wanted him out of her life for good. Of course, Donna never came forward and said those exact words. It was suspected that when she returned to Texas for the class reunion, that she had met up with old friends and classmates and probably wanted to return to Texas. Police investigated this possibility and learned that Donna had been messaging a man from her class and seemed that she wanted to move back to be with him. But Ramsey didn't want to move, and he was still under her guardianship. They believed her motive for the crime was to take care of her son in a way that would eliminate him from the picture so she could return. Donna seemed to be surprised by the outcome. Her lawyer said that Donna truly believed she would be acquitted on all counts. She continued to say that she was innocent that it was an intruder, and even argue with the judge after sentencing. Judge Richard Coretti said, quote, The horrific nature of your offense is mind-boggling. Doing what you did to another human being defies belief. You did it to your very own son. You drugged and strangled him and then over the course of several days cut his body into small pieces and distributed them along the Fredmore Highway? Donna says, quote, You are wrong. I did not kill my son. Donna was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Her friends to this day still struggle with that. But her other son has cut all ties with his mother.
Donna Scrivell is incarcerated in the Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility in Michigan. Well, that's it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the very first episode. Hopefully you subscribe, like, share, and tune in next week for a little bit of a different type of episode. Thanks for listening. Bye!